0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
2: Hello, everybody. Hi, how are you doing? I am Ray Harkins. We are at this podcast, which is called 100 Words or Less, and uh, we're talking about independent music right? That's what we are doing here. We, as in me and you and the guest and everybody else that listens to this thing, which after, let's see, we're at episode 318. That is insane. (laughs) Every time I stop to reflect on the fact that this has been going on for, you know, five, six years and people are still interested in coming on the show and there seems to be new people that find out about the show. I just, I love that so much. So thank you for continually impressing me, Uh, by finding out about this thing and interacting with me. And I just love that. Like, it was, uh, what did I go see? The other night, well, hold on. Put Put a pin in that. We need to tell you the guest. The guest this week is Christina Michelle. She's the vocalist for an incredible hardcore band called Gouge Away, which I was actually bummed. They just recently they played Sound and Fury. I was there. I missed them because they played on a day that I was not attending. And they also played uh, an awesome, awesome skate shop called Program Skate Shop, which is a uh, you know basically just a skate shop and they do shows at night. And uh, I miss them, but. I am uh, excited about their new record that's coming out in the fall. I want to say October, November. I've heard most of it. It's uh, it's really, really good. If you were just kind of so-so on the band previously, this record will definitely convert you into being like, yo, they're the real deal. So her and I sat down. uh, Well, not sat down. I mean, technically sat down. She was probably sitting in her home in uh, Florida, and I was sitting in my home here in Southern California, and uh, we hashed it all out. We talked about South Florida, uh, building communities, because that's a really, really important part to uh, what the band does and what she believes in her own life, and then uh, teaching as well. She was a teacher for a long time, and uh, that is a profession that is very near and dear to my heart because my mom's a teacher, my wife's a teacher, and uh, I think if music did not swallow me up completely, I probably would have gone into that profession. So, But it, it, t- telling you about the gratitude that I have. Uh, is is the sponsors that come onto the show. And one of them is rockabilia.com. You own band merch. I own band merch. I am wearing a old piebald shirt right now that I got when I saw them uh, chain reaction back in like, I don't know, 1999, I think. I don't know, it was forever ago. But you need to continually update your band merch game and Rockabilia is the place to go. Use the code PCJabberJaw. That's 15% off of your order. So you can you just think, you order hundred dollars worth of stuff, you get fifteen bucks off, which is basically like a free shirt. Okay, that's what I'm trying to give you. And Rockabilia has officially licensed stuff from all your favorite bands. They have posters, they have half a million items that you possibly could dive into and order. So there's no reason that you should not experiment and try it out. Uh, they have great customer service, fast shipping, and uh, it's it's co-owned by Hardcore Kid. Okay, that's that's the real deal. I want to support businesses that are from our community as much as I possibly can. And Rockabilia is definitely one of them. So please order from them and uh, use that code because then they know that uh, this show sent them, right? Okay. Gratitude, again, I have to say the you know, when I go to shows, like I went to see... Uh, American football the other night, American football and Phoebe Bridgers at the observatory here in Orange County. And uh, the show was awesome. Phoebe Bridgers is incredible. Uh, I saw her only maybe January of this year, 2018. And uh, she's already, you know, completely uh, skyrocketed <laughs> up into the quote unquote indie rock stardom. But she was great. American football. I did not have any uh, true anticipation for them. Like, I honestly, I I really enjoy American football. I like what they uh, are and have done. And some of those songs are incredibly meaningful to me. But it it just, it, it is very, very weird for a band like that who has such a minimal recorded output to have this resurgence and then also put out a great record last year. Like there's so many things that are a mystery, but watching the band, I was like, Oh yeah. At the core of it, they just write really good songs and they're really good musicians and they're a great hang. And (laughs) that's exactly what they were. It was super fun. But anyways, I met a person there who was like, Hey, you're, you're Ray Harkins. I love your podcast. And you know, we started talking about that and it isn't so much the whole, um, You know, ego gratification, the uh, what I like to call the rock ignition, you know, (laughs) you get recognized out in the world where it's like, oh, hey, that person's in a band, you know, Um, it's not that like, I mean, yes, that feels good. And yes, that's cool. But it really is the community that is out in the real world that we are building where it's like this, you listening to it right now, you are contributing to this community, whether you like it or not. Uh, Well, I hopefully you like it, (laughs) but I just feel so, uh, so lucky that that's a, that's a thing. And, uh, thank you to anybody who like comes up to me to show or emails me 100 words podcast at gmail.com if you miss that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got to tell you. So I, 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 I just feel grateful. That's, that's the simplest way that I can put it. But anyways, Christina, awesome chat. Uh, I could tell that there was a little nerves Floating around with her, but uh, after talking for a good, you know, 15 minutes or so, I felt that started to get kind of come at ease because, you know, it's it's nerve wracking for people who are used to interviews that are more kind of like, all right, I'll just talk to you like for 15 minutes and then, you know, we'll move along and I'll edit the piece and I'll put it up on the Internet or, you know, it'll be a 10 minute YouTube video or whatever. So people that are doing more long form interviews. Can be uh, a little nervous about it, and she definitely was. But like I said, it melted away. It was perfect. It wasn't like I uh, felt the nerves would be picked up uh, by you, the listener. But you know, just full disclosure. And I, I get nervous before interviews too. They're just like, okay, how am I going to connect? How am I going to get my way in? Because uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, it's difficult when you're try. You have mutual friends, but maybe there's you know you haven't met this person, which happens a lot for me. But. Anyways, here's the discussion with Christina, and I will talk to you at the end of the episode. guessing that we have many mutual friends but one of them being jeremy from touche and i Mm -hmm. have known him since he was like 14 years old or something like that but um
3: oh that's so cool (laughs) yes
2: yes back when he back when he was a new metal kid so you know it's okay these things happen
3: (laughs) that's so awesome i actually the first um episode that i listened to was the one that you did with him like wrapping up 2017 oh
2: yes yes fun one yeah yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Appreciate that. But, um, yeah. So it's like, you know, anything that he is looking to, you know, put out on his label or whatever, you know, we, he, you know, I, I talked to him about that stuff. And so he showed me your stuff and I was like, Oh, like, this is, this is cool. Like I could see why you are interested in, um, you know, working with the band, <laughs> listening to the, you know, listening to their music and everything. Um, but you know, my, uh, the way that I listen to your band is very much, um, you're gonna elicit two sort of responses you're gonna have people who are immediately into it and are like yo i love this and you're gonna have people mm-hmm. being like i can't stand this like either you know this is just too, <laughs> this is like uh, you know either too aggressive for me or whatever um
3: yeah
2: do you kind of notice uh-huh. that do you notice that response or is that just kind of me um projecting on you in the band <laughs>
3: um i notice it a little bit um I think we've definitely gotten, like, kind of a big, like, supportive response really quickly, which was, like, really wild. Um, And luckily, we don't, like, um, hear too much negative feedback, but um, you do hear sometimes where people think it's, like, too preachy or too PC or, like, something like that.
2: Oh yeah. No, for sure. I mean, well, yeah, I I mean, I guess when you're not, I guess I know when you combined a, you know, visceral style of hardcore that you do. And then the fact that you have opinions and you express them on stage, um, you know, Mm -hmm. it it can rub people the wrong way where it's like, oh yeah, just, you know, keep, keep that to yourself, which is insane in 2000, you know, 18 where
3: you know, that's
2: existed in punk and hardcore ever since its inception. So like, why would people expect anything different now? Than what it was back then. I don't know. It's weird.
3: Yeah, I think you're just still like challenging people. Like, I feel like I don't hear like straight edge bands being called too preachy very often. But like, when you're making people uncomfortable, then you know.
2: Right. The, you're the,
3: preachy. Right. <laughs>
2: That's true. When, when you actually have to reflect upon yourself is when you, yeah, can, yeah. well, I, and I, that's a very good point. Cause I think I, I, I was reflecting on this recently myself where, um, I don't know how familiar you are with that band race trader. Um, but like I, I, the first time that I myself considered white privilege in general, cause like, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I am a stereotypical, you know, white kid from the middle class family, middle to upper class family and then race trader comes to town and I'm like, you know, they put out a record called burn the idol of the white Messiah. And I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, 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 people have a different experience with different. I mean, it's like, yeah, it just didn't, yeah. uh, it didn't occur to me. And so like, I mean, I didn't have like you were saying that reaction that some people have towards, you know, maybe couch away where it's like, Oh, you know, this, it's not talking about this stuff cause it makes me uncomfortable, but it definitely just made me consider. And I think that, yeah, I mean that's that's obviously a positive effect that your band and other bands have on people.
3: Yeah, um, I think with like our first full length too, it was pretty um, pretty intentional. Like um, when we were just like playing local shows and didn't didn't never even like imagine having a full length or anything like that. Um, we just kind of like wrote whatever we wanted and the songs were about whatever we wanted and stuff like that. Um But then when we started playing shows and getting a little bit more attention, um we were kind of like um, people that <laughs> we don't really want to like our band like this. And I think it was a little bit of like, wow, a girl playing like in hardcore screaming like that's so crazy. And, like, they didn't really care what I was talking about. So then, um, the, like, when we got to writing the phone, like, it was very intentional, like, we don't want someone to hear this and not know what we're about.
2: Yeah, no, that's a very good point, because... It- <laughs> I mean, especially when, when bands, you know, come out and they have that, you know, as much as I hate to say the novelty idea of, you know, female fronting a, an aggressive band, like it, it, it it takes, it takes a moment for people to not only reckon with it, but then kind of move past it and realize like, like, Oh, like obviously you're just a human playing in a band like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, and it's so, um. Yeah, I, I, it is. Like I said, I guess it is just weird because generationally speaking, you know, hardcore and punk, you know, generates itself every two years. So you're always going to have people that are are experiencing it with a new set of eyes. But then people who, mm-hmm. have, but then people who have been involved in the scene for you know even like five plus years, don't look at you know the idea of of a band either being political or, or a band being female fronted as being like. Oh wow! Like that's weird. It's like no, that just happens like that. It just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh,
3: weird that it's a weird thing.
2: <laughs> it, it is too because it it's like the because it's happened so many times and it, it's like that that it can still be a um, a thing from you know a, a press perspective or a um, mm-hmm. that it's like that that's the only talking point like. That that's really like the first descriptor of it's like, you know, gouge away F- female fronted hardcore bands.
3: Female like, fronted. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> which You know, which is like, I mean, you're not stupid. You understand like why people, uh, you know, kind of address the band like that. But, you know, at the same time, mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm sure that you're like, okay, like we've put out enough releases. Like this, this shouldn't still be the thing.
3: Yeah. It's like, everyone that's like a woman and a female fronted band that I know we've all talked about this tirelessly about like the relationship with female fronted, like the whole label. And it's like for me coming up into music and stuff, the label was like, um, kind of helpful because I could seek out things I could relate to. But at the same time, it's like when you're that person, it is really like, all right, there's more to me than just the fact that I'm a woman. Like, I just want to be in a band like everybody else.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship
2: Continually need to be the thing, but yeah, I, yeah,
1: you yeah.
2: know, right, right. Um, kind of switching gears and focus, focusing more on you as a person. So, you know, th- there are certain things that, you know, you've already put out there as far as your sort of biographical data that I'm not, I'm not going to be labor and ask <laughs> the same questions, but like, you know, you were you know born and raised in Florida. Um, and, and I want to focus on Florida because it, it's a, it's a weird state in general and then it's a weird state
3: for oh, yeah.
2: it's a weird state for you know hardcore because it's like you, there is such an intentionality of bands coming down there like you know when you come down there you got to go back up and sometimes there's not as many places to oh, pe- yeah. play on the way up and mm-hmm. so you guys I, I mean I've noticed this when I've spoken to many people over the years where like you you have had to create your own stuff for a long period of time and haven't had the luxury of bands coming through that you've been able to kind of, you know, whatever, rip them off and derive their experiences and be like, hey, let's start something that sounds like that band or whatever.
3: Oh, God.
2: (laughs) But do you, like, does it, uh, I I guess, how does it kind of reflect on on you being able to, you know, exist Mm -hmm. in the scene and seeing kind of how weird it is since you've been able to experience a lot of other different scenes?
3: Yeah, Florida is definitely... Its own beast. And I don't want to like pretend to know more than other people, but I feel like touring has definitely opened my eyes to that a lot. Like, I feel like, especially South Florida, is so far away from everything. (laughs) Like, it takes like seven, eight hours just to get out of the state. And then you're not even in a major city when you get that far. And I don't know. It's just like
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, sorry.
2: Uh, No, it's okay. Are you are is there are you are you being <laughs> measured? Are you concerned about saying something uh I guess derogatory about your scene or is it just your just kinda I think add a lot. so.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, no. I, <laughs> yeah. And, like, <laughs> and, 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 and the re- the reason I bring it up is not because like I'm trying to take shots at at how you know we- yeah. weird that the you know South Florida hardcore scene is because, but I I, I do think it's just a, a real function of the scene in general down there because it's like you know I I mean coming up in Southern California like we had the luxury of being located you know I mean I'm in Orange County so we were you know smack dab in between los angeles and san diego Mm -hmm. so like we had we always had a you know a decent amount of places to play you know all the way up from Mm -hmm. total diy spaces to you know actual venues or whatever but you know with you existing in in south florida like i just i i I look at it in a much different (laughs) i I look at it in a much different light just because you Mm -hmm. guys you guys had to you know create so many of your own spaces and like you know play in uh, a ton of terrible bands, like, like everybody does, you know, like that's not unique, mm-hmm. unique, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wanted to see how you kind of reflected on, uh, you know, kind of experiencing a, a tidbit of other scenes and then kind of comparing and contrasting to what you guys have down there.
3: Yeah. Um, I will say that, um, keeping an all ages venue is like a constant struggle in South Florida. Um, and people work really hard to like keep it thriving down there for sure. Um, but that's a problem too, is when you run out of places to play, there's like nowhere to really go. And people try to keep up with like house shows and stuff like that. And I did that too when I lived in a house, but um, those usually only last so long too. Um, but yeah, as far as like, seeing other scenes, um, especially cause I started touring pretty young. Um, it definitely opened my eyes up a lot. to like, um, there used to, when I would tour, um, like when I was younger, I started touring when I was like 19 and, um, in South Florida, there's no talk about like women in bands or anything. Like I used to go to shows and there would be like maybe two other girls, in the whole venue and I would just be like okay this is weird (laughs) like I really want to be here but it doesn't feel like I should be here and then just um I'm really lucky that I did get to tour because getting to see other scenes like Philly where it's just like it was already a, a hundred steps ahead of us and it was cool to just see like there's some like that does exist and it's something that's like real
2: yeah, totally. Uh, and I, I think it's always, uh, I have always, you know, I mean, part of the attraction I know for myself, and, uh, you know, I, I'm probably speaking for you a little bit as well, where the attraction to um, spaces that are kind of, you know, transitory, where it's like, okay, it's special that we have this, you know, space to play shows. And mm-hmm. even though you don't have the perspective on it when you're, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, you kind of in the back of your head are like, I don't know how long this is going to last. Like, I I don't know how many times the, you know, the cops will come by and shut down a show or, you know, the safety, (laughs) the the safety of the venue comes into question. Um, But you kind of feel like it's like, you know, it's very reflective of that particular moment. And so many people speak in reverence to places that um, are just kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's like, oh, this venue existed for a year, but oh my God, like so much stuff happened during that time.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely relate to that too. Um, I used to have house shows for a short period of time. Um, because I really cared a lot about creating that like inclusive scene. Like we try to make it a rule where like the show wasn't dominated only by like male fronted bands and stuff like that. And, um, I don't know. It was just like you mentioned the cops being called and stuff like that. And it was just kind of cute because we lived like surrounded by old people. <laughs> and like, we were always like worried about bothering them and getting the cops called and stuff. And then um on the day when we moved out, um our like old neighbor came by and was like, oh no, no more shows. I used to like sit on my porch tapping my foot. And <laughs> it was just, like, the cutest thing in the
2: whole world no that's really that's adorable that's adorable because they
3: yeah
2: yeah, because they you know they're looking at this like weird scene playing out in front of them and and it's like you know that sort of stuff you know just observing youth culture from a distance like that kind of you know in a way keeps you young because you're you're watching what the you know (laughs) the the youths are into or whatever and it's like oh wow. yeah That's interesting. Yeah. Like I, I remember the, uh, uh, myself and, uh, Joey that runs six, one, three on records. Like we did sound and Fury uh, for a couple of years when it was in Santa Barbara. And I always remember the conversations that we had with people. Cause Santa Barbara is like, you know, a total old person town. Like people retire there. And we always had conversations with people, uh, you know, around that general area of, uh, you know, they were always watching us with this kind of like curious, uh, I would. I don't want to say reverence because it's not like they really respected the fact that, you know, 16-year-old kids were being stupid in a parking lot or whatever, but like just yeah. that, but yeah, that sort of like <clears throat> cultural observation of like well, as long as they're not doing anything to like our place, our house or whatever, or like, you know sound pollu- mm. sound pollution or anything like that, that they would, you know generally go by um, unchecked, but they always kind of, that the watchful eye existed
3: yeah <laughs> yeah you always kind of assume people are going to be opposed to it
2: you definitely from what i can tell you came from a very supportive household in regards to um you know fostering your love for music and getting exposed to you know loud music at an early age um you know what what Mm -hmm. just because you know it, it definitely does seem um like parents of that ilk are you know doing like they either are are like have just continued to foster their love of music over the years um or or did you get a sense that they kind of like just really identified with you know (laughs) grunge in the early 90s and then started to you know expose you to that how like did did you kind of notice that that love of music always existing or did they kind of dip in and out
3: oh yeah um it definitely always existed um my dad played guitar since he was a baby and my mom grew up going to shows, and that's how she met my dad, which is kind of crazy. Um, well, like what sort, but, um
2: what, what sort of shows? Like what you know? What, what show did they meet at?
3: Um, oh, my dad would just like play in bands, <laughs> which my mom would go.
2: Okay, okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. But when I was growing up, like when I was very very young, um, it was the early nineties and like, you know, music ruled (laughs) and was everywhere. And, um, my parents, like, I remember playing like musical chairs to like the offspring and like, there was no doubt and green day and smashing pumpkins and just like gin blossoms, the care Nirvana, just like everything, um, in our household and in the car. And I was just very, very used to that. Um,
2: that's awesome. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs>
3: well, a, a, yeah. And,
2: a, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I do think that they're, um, the only reason I asked kind of about their trajectory of, of love for music, cause it's like, I, I find it interesting when, um, you know, people who, cause I, I think that, Spotify did a study a couple years ago where I think the age that people dip out of like trying to pursue new music is like 32 or 33. Like that's basically when people kind of reach criti- mm-hmm. critical mass and are like, all right, I don't want to do anything more with music. But then,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but yeah, but then certain people where it's just like, you know, whatever, they turn 40 and all of a sudden they're like, Oh man, like I like five finger death punch. And you're just like, where, where did that go? <laughs> like you haven't listened to music yeah. in like 10 years. <laughs> How did that happen? But that's not, yeah. That's not, like, what happened with your parents, which is cool.
3: No, yeah, my mom was, she's still interested in, like, knowing what's current. Um, like, when I was old enough to start going to shows, she would, like, have a common interest with me and would, like, go to, like, concerts and stuff, too, which, like, at a certain age got kind of awkward. But, um, yeah, she liked, I don't know, like, anti-flag and like stuff like that when i was into it and um i still show her bands now like i was driving around with her a few weeks ago and i showed her culture abuse and she's like oh this is great (laughs) um (laughs) that's really cool (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) yeah it's like you, you can uh you there's that common bond where you can share stuff And they actually genuinely like it, you know, like I I definitely envy that because I remember so many times where it's like I listen to bands and I'm like, all right, I don't, I think my mom will understand this better than, you know, my screaming hardcore punk. Like I'll play her Mineral or Elliot. And she listens to it and it's just like, nah, it doesn't take. I'm like, damn it. I thought we could have had a bond.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's funny because my parents kind of like hated the screaming stuff. And of course it's like what I ended up doing, but
2: yeah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what do your parents do for a living?
3: Um, my dad like works high up with like loans and banking and stuff like that. Um, and my mom, like since before I was born, she's had the same job forever, which is, um, she does like nightclub management oh,
2: okay. and
3: um yeah which is really cool because when I was young I used to like try to go to work with her all the time because they actually get um all the cds of um all the music that's going to be on the radio like weeks before it's on the radio so I would just like try to go to work with my mom all the time and like listen to everything before it came out and like make
2: mixed tapes for my friends and stuff. Um,
3: that's awesome. So that's a pretty cool job.
2: Yeah, no, totally. That that's, (laughs) yeah. Like you, you feel like you're, um, you're on the, uh, the the tip of new stuff where it's like, wow, I get to listen to this, you know, new record before it comes out. Like I, I, I'm I'm so cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's awesome.
2: (laughs) Um, and you, you also have uh, an older sister that is like super into music and, and tours and stuff like that as well. Correct.
3: She's younger than me.
2: Oh, younger. Okay. My bad. My bad.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot where people think we're twins. Um, <laughs> yeah. She, she, um, started playing ukulele and playing shows like solo. And then she started bands as well. Her band, um, is having their last show actually this Sunday. Um, cause she's moving out of town.
2: Ah, so. uh, got it.
3: Yeah, we do have that in common.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and was it just you two in the house as far as kids were concerned?
3: Yes.
2: Nice. Um, and then did you, uh, I mean, did, did you guys kind of have that sort of, you know, sister versus sister mentality that I know kind of exists in some families, or did you guys generally get along?
3: Um, when we got along, we were best friends, and we definitely had a lot of, hard times we were definitely very mean to each other for (laughs) sure um luckily we both grew out of that and we're really close now but um we were like we had a lot in common and like being the older sister i didn't want my younger sister to like copy me or have anything in common with me i wanted to be opposite right probably because everyone also thought we were twins but i was older (laughs) but um yeah, I just I wanted like us both to have our own identities, and that kind of like made things rough sometimes. It is.
2: It, uh, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I do think that's something that that so many people go through in um, either mm-hmm. you know familiar relationships or you know once you started once you start to you know like date other people and like start to exist in romantic relationships because I think like. You know, when you first start to, you know, whatever date in high school, like you almost, you almost want like a a sort of a direct reflection of yourself. It's like, oh man, I want a person that's like super into the same stuff that I'm into. And like, you know, like we can go to show, but then you realize where it's like, oh no, like that's like, I I want a person that's also like bringing their own stuff to the table. And like, you don't realize Mm -hmm. that until you're older in the same way that like you're saying where. Now that you're you you've both staked out your your <laughs> corners of interest that it's like oh yeah like that's a that's a positive thing.
3: Oh my god, yeah. We like used to share a wall and my parents probably hated us. But we had like opposite ends of the spectrum as far as musical taste. And she'd like be blasting like Michelle Branch or Paramore in her room and I would be trying to outdo her with like there a square, just something like really loud and obnoxious. And
2: that's amazing. I don't know, we're just
3: always, <laughs> just always battling.
2: <laughs> I, get, I, I really appreciate the visual. Cause that is amazing where you're just like having these, these polar opposite music, just like clashing with one another in a battle.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> but then I just got into Paramore, like with that last, the after laughter album. Yeah, I love it. And huh. I was like, oh, my God, Shauna, I'm a Paramore fan. <laughs> Finally.
2: Yeah. And uh, you're like going to the back catalog and you're like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty good. Maybe I should have listened to that back then. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> age is a weird thing. It makes you, uh, yeah, revisionist history exists uh, in a, in a oh, lot of spaces, yeah. <laughs> especially with music, too, where you're like, oh, wow, actually, that was pretty good. Maybe I just wasn't ready for it then.
3: Oh, Yeah. Or you're
2: just like stubborn and don't want to like it, right? But, <laughs> yeah, like, <at> a, yeah. Out <laughs> of principle alone, you would you couldn't allow yourself to like it. <laughs> um, something else I want to hit on was the um, you know you were you were a competitive dancer and you know into drums and I mean it sounds like basically all that stuff kind of ran into a wall once you uh, you know were diagnosed with was it blood clots in your arms? Is that what was?
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so and that that sounds like it, it was happening around what fourteen fifteen years old? am I correct yeah, yeah, yeah um so you know that that's a really delicate time for a person to have to kind of switch the stuff that they're into because of a health mm-hmm. issue, like you know did you have to do a lot of kind of i guess soul searching and sort of like figure out you know what it is you want to? uh, you know, like be into, um, or was that kind of a easy transition for you to kind of drop that and then figure out some other stuff?
3: It was really hard. Um, my whole world was like playing drums, which I did every day after school. And I would like take drum lessons on the weekend. Um, and then dance was also like my whole world. Cause I, I put like so many hours into that and we would have to go to competitions and I just loved everything about it. And I loved, I loved like the discipline and the performing and every aspect of it. Um, and then to just like one day be told like, you can't do it anymore at all. Um, it was really, really hard. Um, but like I kept like getting these treatments and everything to get better. And it took a like probably a year but as soon as i had even like the tiniest like okay that i'm good to go i was just right back at it (laughs) um yeah and i would even like i scared my like teachers a lot too because i was just like ready to go and they're like you can't no you have to sit this out and uh but yeah
2: the the only <laughs> no I, I mean i appreciate mm-hmm. you i appreciate you walking me through that cuz I, I i i think it's you know i mean people sample so much stuff when they're that age and you know their mm-hmm. your emotions run high and everything you're into is like the, you know the most dramatic end of the world thing and to have you know to have you run into something and not be able to do it because of you know something that you can't control whatsoever you know usually yeah. Usually people experience that, you know, when they're maybe a little bit older, um, whether it's like, oh, I'm not going to be a professional basketball player or whatever it is, you know, where it's like, oh, oh, maybe I'm not that good in comparison to other people. But like you had to, you know, drop that because of, you know, something that was completely out of your control. Mm Um. And then, you know, I mean, I know that you were raised in a very, you know, musical household and you were, you know, encouraged to, you know, go to warp Tour with your mom and everything like that, but, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> but like how, how did you, you know, I guess, how did kind of independent music start to like, uh, you know, what was your, like, I guess, what was your gateway? You know, I mean, you're already primed mm-hmm. up with the fact that you were listening to so much music, but like how, you know, how, what, what was that first, uh, you know, MP3 burn CD mix or whatever, what was the, the entry point for you?
3: Um, I'm not sure because I feel like it happened so fast, but I know definitely like the most monumental thing for me was when I was in middle school and um, I was already like, I don't, I don't know. I was already just like trying to find, it, it might've been because of me and my sister trying to, you know, be different from each other or I was already trying to look for bands that she's probably never heard of before. But um, I was already like kind of into that stuff. And then um, I would make friends, you know, in school that way. And I got invited to a show, just like some local show. My friend said his brother was playing and I was like, great. And it was at like this really shitty um, skate park called uh, Piss. Um, And (laughs) Um, I just went there that one day. I was like, this is crazy. There's like people, my age in bands playing music. And then I just kept going like every weekend <laughs> until it closed.
2: That's amazing. Yeah. Finding that local venue where you <laughs> could have the, uh, the touch and the feel of something where it's like, Oh yeah. wow. These people exist around me and they're playing in bands and they're doing stuff.
3: Yeah. It's absolutely crazy.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Uh, um, and it, it also seems to me, too, that like, you know, basically once you kind of discovered independent music and, you know, you started going to shows and it, it seems like you were really um, interested in the, the community building aspect of it, you know, from mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, you put on shows and like, you know, there was a, I guess, a unification goal of what you were doing. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Um, and so, like, uh, I don't know, where did that kind of like come up? Like, you know, w- was that just because you, you know, wanted to kind of bring everybody together or was that sort of a natural extension of some other, you know, personality trait you had? I was just curious.
3: I am really unsure.
2: <laughs> That's fine.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where that came from. I know, like, just from being a kid, I just wanted to, like, get along with everyone like I was the farthest thing from a bully um
0: in a world where everyone is confined to their homes society begins its largest bin watch to date in the hallowed library of Hulu or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions hi
2: Do you do? You, I don't, let, <laughs> let, let me let me do a little armchair psychology here. Um, like, do okay. you do you uh, do you avoid conflict? Like, are you a person that would like to you know? Uh, and I, I I don't use this in a disparaging way, but like you know, would you kind yeah. of run from conflict rather than be like, I just can't handle that? Or is that not not something you you uh, identify with? Um, let's see. I think
3: that I okay. I'm obviously extremely shy i hate i hate conflict i hate all awkward uncomfortable situations got it but i also think i just understand that i have to deal with a lot of things especially like being in a political band and like caring about people for some reason is a strange issue but yeah
2: yeah well (laughs) and That's, uh, I mean, the reason why I'm playing armchair psychologist is because I identify Mm -hmm. with what you were saying. The, um, cause I, yeah, I would, I would avoid conflict at all costs. I'm very much, you know, you and I are cut from the same cloth as far as like, yeah, I just want, you know, like I like to organize stuff and make other people feel good and everybody kind of comes together and is like, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't do it for the attention of like, oh, like, you know, Ray is the center of attention because he's doing this. I'm just like, dude, that's so rad. This thing that I put together, like, people yes. enjoy, <laughs> you know? And I, yeah, for sure. But then I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it's happened to you too, where sometimes people misread that as being like, Oh, you you're egotistical, and you do want to be kind of the center of attention. Like, I don't know if that's kind of boomerang back at you at all, or if that's just something that um has never <laughs> has never been brought up.
3: Um, to my knowledge, it hasn't been brought up.
0: That's at good. At least
3: not to me. But um, <laughs> right. It's I think it is like a fear at the same time that I've always had, where it's like I want to do these things, but I don't want people to think I'm doing it just. Or
2: the credibility or whatever right right no that's cool <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um and then it, 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 is Gougeway ostensibly kind of your first uh, band from like a sort of touring and releasing music perspective or did you were you involved in some other <laughs> terrible stuff beforehand that I'm sure is you'd like to er- erase in some capacity um luckily
3: it's my first band I think I can say that
2: right <laughs> Well, what, yeah. what, what, what would make you not say that? <laughs>
3: nothing, nothing is recorded. There's no proof of anything else.
2: Ah, so. okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah.
3: That, that,
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, but then you also, like you mentioned before where, you know, you were, uh, you had a strong desire to like get on the road and, you know, do merch for friends, bands and stuff like that. And as you started to like get out there and actually experience touring, um, did you immediately like it? Was it something that you thought it was going to be or was it like completely different? How did that kind of rattle around in your head?
3: Um, I absolutely loved it. Like immediately I went, um, how it worked was I used to just like book shows. So, um, I got into booking tours just from meeting a lot of like international bands who'd come to us. And um, I had some friends that wanted to book a tour, but didn't know how, so I did it for them. And then that was my way of being like, take me with you. And, um, it, yeah, I just fell in love with it and they're all like my best friends at the time. And it was the most fun. Just like every, every little tiny detail was so exciting. Just like passing the Florida border was like...
0: (laughs) huge so right. <laughs> yeah
3: we're like this is this is our first tea in Georgia this is our first like taco in Georgia like <laughs> everything
2: <laughs> right right no that's the. I mean I I appreciate the description of that because it is um, you know when once you have that little taste of something where it's like you feel like you're in uncharted waters and it's exciting and you don't eat, and you're like I was able to like help pull this together like this is crazy mm-hmm. that I'm experiencing yes
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: but i'm I'm also drawn to the fact that you were um you know like booking shows like you know you were you were ostensibly a booking agent um even though you know i doubt that you would ever label yourself as such because you were both, yeah. <laughs> you were you were working on such a, a smaller diy level um mm-hmm. that uh that's really stressful i mean i i i did that for years for my own band as well and i know that even though it was gratifying to like book these shows and put this stuff together it was also like really stressful like did you feel any stress as you were doing that or was that just kind of like no i can handle this
3: oh yeah um i still feel that stress now like i book gout tours and i'm just a constant ball of stress <laughs> it just doesn't go away
2: got it got it yeah well then
3: that- <laughs> yeah but it's worth it
2: (laughs) sure well yeah as long as you feel that the uh the 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 juice is worth the squeeze I'm sorry that's terrible but like yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it doesn't um yeah I mean uh, you know as you get older and as you become you know a more quote-unquote professional band it def you feel like Mm -hmm. more is riding on it you know
3: yeah for sure it like is slightly easier because you have the context like you don't have to build from zero, but you know, you have to care about surviving more when you get older.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, you,
3: <laughs> you have to care about eating right. stuff like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. You're like, you can't come home with like, you know, a, a $4,000 debt where it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, that's crushing. Like I, I, I can't, I can't do that yeah. to you. not only myself, but then everybody else in in the band that has to shoulder the weight as well.
3: Hmm. Uh, yeah, Mick says you have to tour smarter, not harder.
2: Yes, it's a very, so, very true yeah. statement, but, <laughs> but easier said than done.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, And so, uh, you know, I, I imagine as you were, you know, going through through high school, and then, um, you know, kind of figuring out what you wanted to do from a sort of uh, career slash job perspective, like you, mm-hmm. at, at one point, you were a kindergarten teacher, correct? Yes.
3: Are you, are you still currently <laughs> or no? No. Okay. Um, one day, I hope to go back to that because I love it. Um, but it's hard to do both touring and be a teacher. Everyone yeah. says like, oh, you yeah, have summers off. But if you want to do 100%, you can't do both.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah.
3: Even yeah. as a teacher, like you can't, I don't know. It's really hard to be in a touring band and give yourself 100%.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I come from a family of educators. My wife's a teacher and my mom, my mom was a teacher. So like, I, you know, I respect the profession immensely. And it's, uh, like when I read that about you, I was like, wow, like that's a, and especially too, like, you know, you were teaching kindergarten and that is a, um, you know, that's such a formative age for kids, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, most people look at it, it's just like, Oh, it's, you know, they just play all day or whatever. It's like, no, this is like serious stuff that's being done here.
3: Oh yeah, there's almost no playing anymore. <laughs> it's But that's why I was interested in kindergarten too because it is such a formative age.
2: Right. And was that and, was that something that you like, you know, like did you go to college and everything like that to uh, you know, I guess study to get your degree to allow you to teach? Mm-hmm. Nice. And that was kind of the vision like I guess when did that kind of come into your head like, "Oh wow, like education as a profession is 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 a cool thing."
3: Um, I think I just always kind of saw myself being a teacher. Um, I had, ever since I was like in elementary school, I had the teachers that I loved who like influenced me so much to the teachers I hated. And I would always just think like, I never want to be like that person. And I think just throughout my life, I was always like being conditioned to be a teacher one day.
0: (laughs) That's cool,
2: that's cool. Um, and the, uh, this was something that sort of, you know, a- Tangent. Well, not tangential. It's related to it, but like I'm, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to presume that, um, you know, I mean, because you were playing in or you were starting gouge away as you were a teacher, and you, you know, you had to kind of strike the balance between the two, and ultimately realize that was too difficult. But were you ever concerned that you know parents were going to you know discover the <laughs> fact that you played in a yelling, screaming band, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, like this woman cannot teach my kids or anything, or was that just something you were like, nah, that's, yes, okay,
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> One hundred percent. Like I was afraid of my principal finding out, or my teacher friends, or anybody. Um,
2: so you kept I, you kept it super low profile.
3: <laughs> yes, and um, people kind of started figuring it out. Um, no one would really tell me, but I started getting like hints. Like people would tell me about. Cool concerts they went to when they were a kid and stuff like that. And I'm just like, this is kind of fishy. I don't like this. Like someone like was like, oh, I I went backstage for stained. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> cool.
2: Yeah, good, 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 good to know. Are you trying to are you trying to bond with me for this this story? Yeah,
3: <laughs> this isn't going anywhere. Um, but yeah, I like it. I don't use my last name for that reason.
2: Got it. That ma- yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're like, yeah. <laughs> these are, these are two distinct, uh, distinct worlds that need to live apart from each other. And not because I'm ashamed of one or the other, but I'm, uh, worried about the, uh, implica- implications that other people would put on me.
3: Yeah. It's a very realistic, like fear. I mean, people get fired and have issues over the stupidest thing. So,
2: yeah. No, I, I, and I, 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 the the only reason I bring it up is not, not to, you know, highlight that fact. It's just the fact that, I mean, I have a seven-year-old son and he's going into into first grade and like, you know, Mm -hmm. like I look at like how I personally am treated within the context of just like literally just being a parent. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm nice and I'm approachable, but like, you know, I've got tattoos and I wear weird band shirts and like people don't, Mm -hmm. people don't know what to do with that. And then. You in the back of my head, I'm also like, oh, like you know, I know that I am strange because of what I'm into and you know the things that I I do, and I can imagine you know putting myself in your shoes, I would be concerned that parents would just you know assume the worst because you happen to be this individual or whatever.
3: Yeah, definitely. And you're looking after their kids, and you know they care so much about who's in that classroom all day.
2: Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I hope that over time, uh, you know, that becomes a easier, uh, road to go down to where, you know, you don't feel like that judgment can be levied on you, you know?
3: But, yeah. I, I hope so too. Like even just in general, I feel like one day the tattoo, like colored hair thing, I feel like it'll hopefully be normal one day.
2: Yeah. No, it's well to, to, Anecdotally speaking, there's a at my uh was at my son's preschool. There was a uh girl that, and it's so funny because, like, you know, you and I know this sort of stuff when we just like look at people with tattoos, we can like kind of you know already tell where it's like, oh, I think they know what's up, like, I I
1: think,
0: yeah,
2: (laughs) and like she, you know, she had she had like a little like you know a little V with a leaf tattooed in her wrist, and I was like, oh, damn, she's vegan, and it's like, you know, but like most Mm -hmm. most other people would be like, oh, is your name Veronica? It's like, (laughs) but yeah. But yeah, so I, I tell that to you because there is a uh, there, there is a little more um, you know leniency. Probably just depending on the part of the country that you're in as well. So you know maybe you can move to yeah. Southern, maybe you can move to Southern California and teach. No one will care, right?
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um. And so you know, as uh, le- like you mentioned, kind of at the very top, where it's like you know gouge away. Uh, you know, you guys got a, a pretty good, you know, head of steam going, you know, from once you started to play shows, you know, in your area. And then you started to, you know, expand that and play shows outside of Florida and everything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and because it's your first band that, you know, you uh, have to kind of be Mm -hmm. the sort of business, uh, person of the band. I mean, I know that you're not the one making all the decisions, like some dictatorship or anything, but, um, You know, how, uh, like, does the business aspect of the band kind of interest you? Does it scare you? Like, where, how does it kind of sit in your head?
3: Um, as far as, like, what?
2: Just like, as, just as far as, like, I mean, I, I when I say dealing with record labels, it's not like dealing with Jeremy as, like, some, you know, he's the suit and you're the band or whatever, but, um... <laughs> Like, you know, just, just in dealing with, like, okay, what's our guarantee for this show? And, like, can we ask more for this? Or, like, you know, how are we going to, you know, <laughs> like, how are we going to do this tour? And just, you know, the intricacies of playing in a band that you don't really consider when you, you know, you start it, and then all of a sudden you have to, like, really consider all of these things. Like, oh, I, I guess we'll put out this record with this person and all, all that sort of stuff.
3: Um, I think a lot of it is really fun. Like, I love like when we were ironing everything out with Jeremy that was so much fun and talking to like Death Wish, like Rich and Trey and everyone makes everything feel very um comfortable like even though we have to make big decisions and agree on stuff it I feel like they're on our side it's not like we're like fighting some giant or something like that but um as far as like all the money stuff I hate. I think it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world, just like making sure we're getting paid enough and stuff like that. It's very important, but I hate that role.
2: <laughs> and what 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 is it that makes you feel uncomfortable? I mean I can make a guess, but I'd rather hear <laughs> rather hear from you.
3: Um I don't I don't know. Go ahead. Guess. Maybe <laughs> you know more than I do. No. <laughs>
2: Well, I, 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 I mean, I see this comment. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, uh, directly reflective of you, but I definitely think there's this, Mm -hmm. this, um, the, you know, the punk guilt creeps in Yes. where it's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe, you know, the notion of getting paid a thousand dollars to play a show. It's like, you know, in most people's heads that come from the scene that we come from, um, you know, it would be kind of like, wow, that's wild. Like, that's crazy. Or, you know, getting what you got paid 10 grand to play a show or whatever. Like, (laughs) you know, these are, these are things that like, you know, if you were to actually do the numbers of like, oh, you know, a band is getting paid 10 grand headline a show and it's like a $18 ticket. And like, oh yeah, the venue made like 30 grand or whatever, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so I'm going to imagine kind of some of your reservations are, are kind of, you know, tied up into that notion of like, oh, it's like, you know. I mean, yeah, everybody needs money, but like, what's the, uh, I guess, appropriate uh, balance that we can strike with like making money, but not being like greedy and not being too yeah yeah
3: definitely there. I think you're right. There's a lot of like guilt in that, and um, my method at this point. Hopefully, we get like an booking agent or help. Like pretty soon. Right. Because <laughs> my method of doing it is just like not asking and then just being like, I hope this works out.
2: <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's it's very good.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good
3: way to do it. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> it is uh yeah, when you try to be as transparent as humanly possible, I think it's um you know, it it doesn't have to be this like weird negotiation, like you can just be like Hey, you know, we need like this much money to play this show or whatever. And, you know, people, Mm -hmm. people either be like, yes, we can, or no, we can't, you know? And Mm -hmm. sometimes that works well. And other times that, you know, that then you don't have a show or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, last two things I want to hit on was the, um, you know, because of the, you know, nature of, you know, what you speak about in your lyrics and what you speak about on stage, Um, and the fact that, you know, we exist within the scene that, you know, fosters that, um, that sort of speech and that sort of, um, you know, that, that mentality that you can speak on stage and, you know, yes, it may make people feel uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. like we were talking about earlier. Um, are you ever concerned about the sort of preaching to the choir element of like, oh yes, like everybody know you know, getting up there and being like, sexism is bad, like you know yeah. n- not not <laughs> not saying that you are just saying that and that's yeah. your only argument but like you know do you uh does that kind of uh, is that a thought process that goes through your head of like oh man like you know I'm just saying the same uh the same ish stuff that other people have said to these same people that have showed up or whatever um or is it just kind mm-hmm. of speaking to your truth and that's kind of what you focus on
3: i reflect on that a lot um i think when that Um, last record came out i got i was like i don't know just like painfully shy about playing in general like no matter how many times we've done it um and i think i was trying to just get used to talking as well as like all this stuff was very important and we wanted to deter you know shitty people from just getting into us or whatever like change people's minds or have people just consider something they hadn't before. Um, like all that was super important. Um, but I think an element was just like getting used to talking. Like a lot of it was, um, equally just practice. And, um, I have reflected on that a lot as well. Just how, um, I don't think that, I need to speak for other groups of people. I think there's plenty of bands doing that for themselves. So I've definitely like stepped back from that a lot. Um, And as far as like, um, like sexual abuse and stuff like that, like that is also something that like, I've actually gone through myself, but um, I felt like I was getting into this, like, really terrible routine of feeling like I had to talk about it every night. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just like mentally and emotionally like exhausting to actually do that. Um, and I kind of just, I don't know where it came from, but I eventually just like, cause I'm like beating myself up for every single show, just like having to talk about this and relive it. Right. And I kind of like put this, um, this, Big like importance on it, where I felt like if I didn't talk about it, then like what was the point? But um, yeah, but- I just after a while of like playing with so many other bands and realizing that like they just play their set and have a great time and they're done. They're not dealing with heavy shit all night, mm-hmm. and I was like, I should be able to like do that too,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, and and, and I mean to your point like if you feel like this you know it's an opportune time to speak about it or you feel like you -hmm. know you've given yourself enough you know mental distance where it's like okay now i feel like i can speak about this with perspective as opposed to you know feeling like you're just you know uh, trudging up. i mean you'll always trudge up bad memories when it's attached to something like, like that but that you feel like you can actually um you know, communicate it properly as opposed to like this horrible thing happened in my life. And I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm spilling, spilling it out into the world. And like, there is, yeah. you know, it, like you said, it's just kind of beating yourself up as opposed to, um, you know, maybe something that, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's
3: addressing it.
2: Yeah. Or, or, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that that element is constructive for people. Cause like, I always reflect on how, um, you know, a band like boy sets fire. It's like, you know, when they, uh, they had a song called like in hope, that was uh you know about rape and it was one of those things Mm -hmm. i mean this is like you know 98 and like i you know i just remember seeing them and being like you know moved to literal tears because of this but like i you know Mm i i nor any of my family has experienced this but like them crystallizing that emotion was so um powerful and you know i can't i you know the next couple times that i saw them you know they would maybe play that song but they maybe wouldn't put themselves through it in a way that they did previously. And I, I think that you've arrived at that same conclusion where it's like the power can still be there. It just doesn't have to be so, um, I guess dirty on stage if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And it, it has served a big purpose. Like I have made a lot of connections with people based on going through all of that. But yeah, it's just, I think dirty is a good word. It's just, I
2: don't know, kind of rough. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 t- I totally understand where you're coming from. It doesn't, um, yeah, you, you, you feel like you can, um, y- essentially you can last longer within the context of you playing in your band. Um, if you don't have to, you know, put yourself through the ringer every single night.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And then hopefully that will afford more, you know, more impact to more people because you're not just burning yourself out in like, you know, a year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah.
3: definitely. <laughs>
2: Um, and the last thing where, um, I wanted to hit on this, that, you know, because you are, um, you know, y- you guys are, are focused on, you know, making the band a priority and you kind of all, you know, it's, it, it sounds to me like you've kind of all built your lives, um, you know, around the band as far as like, you know, you're working sort of transitionary jobs and stuff that will mm-hmm. allow, allow you to kind of take <laughs> off for tours and stuff like that. Um, you know, does, uh, I guess do you feel the sense of um, I wouldn't say pressure but like you know because you're you're putting your eggs in this this basket are you kind of looking at it from a sort of experiential standpoint or are you looking at it from like the um, well friends of ours have achieved this so like let's try to you know achieve that same thing or is it kind of a mixture of all those things <laughs>
3: um I think it is a mixture of quite a bit um. You know, when we started the band, it was just, we just want to play one show and put out an EP, and then it just, like, continues and continues and continues where, like, we're doing things we absolutely never thought we ever would, and I think it just, like, continues to create new goals where now we know we want to do an international tour, like, you know, we wanted to put out this next LP, because we wanted, we felt like we grew a lot since the last one, and um, I think it's just, like, all these little goals that keep coming up, that keep us going, where we just want to see what keeps happening, and um, I I don't feel like there's, like, a destination in mind, like, I don't think any of us are, like, one day we're going to sell out House of Blues, and you know, that's the goal. Like that's not even on our radar. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, I don't know. I think like, and we have all talked about it a lot. I think it's just something that we all just really want to do. And
2: right. And and then, and then, (laughs) well, no, I know. I, I, yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of vocalize that. I, I appreciate you trying to do it. I, I think it's, you know, I, at least the way that i've always uh, i've personally looked at it kind of through the lens of you know my experience and then also other people's experiences is that you are looking at this thing where it's like okay we have this band we have this vehicle it's only going to exist for you know a period of time mm-hmm. in my life so like why not mm-hmm. why not try to do as much as we can with it and we don't know what that as much as we can like we don't know what that means yeah. you know but you know, I, I'm sure where it's like, you know, if you're looking back on yourself a couple of years ago, you would have never thought that you would have been able to achieve, you know, half of what Gouge Away has done, you know?
3: Yeah, exactly. Right. 100%. <laughs> yeah.
2: You're like, I never thought that I would be speaking to a person on a podcast about my band. Like, why would anybody care about no.
3: that? No, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that until a few days ago when, when this, <laughs> when I got the email for it yeah, you're like oh yeah
2: sounds cool sounds cool but but I mean yeah to, to 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 that point it's like you know you don't you don't know what things will uh happen when you put something out there and it's just like oh wow like I guess I guess we're gonna do this now like cool I
3: didn't think that I was gonna yeah do it's it's so exciting to just kind of have no idea <laughs> <laughs> like we we just even playing with the band that we've played with I mean like tina black is like my dream band to play with and we did that and it's just like weird right so we're always like all we do is talk about like what if we play with this band like that'd be cool and then we just try to do it <laughs>
2: right yeah let's see. let's see if we can achieve this oh wow like that happened oh that's crazy yeah <laughs> yeah sure yeah <laughs> well i uh I really appreciate you hanging out this has been this has been fun for me and thank you for uh, letting me pick around your life like you did
3: <laughs> Thank you
2: yeah <laughs> hell yeah, that was a great discussion i don't know why I have to sing these outros, and I always have the same cadence on it too my uh, my son makes fun of me because there are many things that I like sing to him, whether it's like, I don't know, go clean up the dishes or, you know, just tasks around the house. And he's just like, why are you singing, Dad? I'm like, I don't know, because it's fun. And so uh, he does it as well. So anyways, thank you very much, Christina. Thank you very much, uh, Stephanie, her publicist, for helping hook this up. And uh, like I said, Gouge Away is a new record coming out on uh, Secret Voice slash Death Wish. In the fall, October, November, I, you know, I should be a professional and like look up the actual date, but, uh, it's in the fall. So pay attention. And they, uh, the new, the song that you heard at the very beginning is a new song of theirs. So there you go. What do I have next week? I have a actually much requested guest, people who have hit me up about having this guy on the show. And, uh, we've always traveled in the same circles, never met, finally made it happen. I was like, you know what? Let's slide into your DMS and be like, yo dude, let's make it happen. Sonny Singh from Hate56, and if you're not familiar with Hate56, you just should Google it, but basically he is a documentarian of the hardcore independent music scene. He has so many videos up, like if you've ever done a YouTube dive on a band, you undoubtedly have run across one of his videos. He's uh, prolific, he has turned it into uh, his full-time thing, and it's awesome. So I had Sonny on the show, and that's what's happening next week, okay? Now, uh, I, you usually I just sign off right here, but I, uh, today is a weird day because, uh, basically I'm waiting for my wife to, uh, get the news and the results back from tests. And I just always, um, yeah, it's always anxious mixed with like excitement because I, I want to get that new, that good news or, you know, potentially bad news. I just want to like, I just want to get it, you know, you want to get it so you can kind of move on. And, um, you know, many of you still check in on me as far as like, Oh, how's your wife? I hope you're doing well. And uh, I just had to kind of put that in there for those of you that, that check in. Cause I, I really genuinely, genuinely do appreciate it. Like I, I, legit close my eyes right there as I was talking because that's how much I appreciate it. It's kind of overwhelming. So anyways, uh, hopefully I will come back next week with, uh, some positive news from that perspective. And, uh, then we will hear from Sonny as well. All right. Until next week, please be safe. Everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
0: Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. Hi there, I'm Zach Raff, And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs.
1: Twenty years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time,